0: I definitely don't think they should do it. It's um, it seems a total overkill, and well, yeah, pointless. They should put the money into providing places for people to park rather than harassing them to move. Um, moving with horses is stressful enough as it is without people hassling you.
1: At the moment, we have permission of the landlord, but if we got turfed out tomorrow then it would be catastrophic my wider community obviously is horrendous and frightening so you know yeah because you don't live with the certainty of being there I don't own land i know with the permission but you know who knows what's around the corner so yeah it's pretty frightening the just blatant targeting of people is just gross and horrendous, and it just makes living in this country even more unpleasant than it already is.
2: It's terrifying, you know. the The, the intention behind it is clearly to um, to target a particular group of the population, which we fall into that that group. And um, and for all of the other people who who are also in that scenario is they've got the, the the intention to kind of criminalise our way of life, so... And just thinking about all the other people who are in a much more precarious situation than I feel we are here, like lots of Irish families living roadside, I think it's just going to be made an absolute hell for them and it's awful and terrifying and having done... having done a lot of work with Roma families, most of whom are, are in bricks and mortar, but still, I think I think it's just it's just ethnic cleansing. It's hatred. It's disgusting. Added to which, the when the European settled status comes in in June, which if you haven't applied for your settled status as an EU citizen here, which so many that will apply to so many of the Irish families and to the Roma families. live in the UK. I don't know what's going to go on but I'm really, really fearful for them right now. But likewise I think they're going to use it for all the people who call themselves van dwellers or are now known as van dwellers. It's going to persecute them and a lot of those people are just victims of austerity and Tory housing policy and unregulated private rental system that means people just can't afford to rent a house or buy a house. And so we've moved into a van, not for any cultural reason, but as a housing solution. Like, I'm scared, quite frankly, really scared. And we've already had, as a horse-drawn person, we've already had the horse laws coming in where they were taking, lifting people's horses and the horse wardens taking them and you don't always get your horse back. So where do I go? I can't I can't legally stay here, but I can't legally go out on the road. Where am
1: I supposed to go then? And uh, my main thing is just, yeah, worry that I've got my kids <laughs> with me, and that a big fear that they'll take my kids off me or something, or, and someone with their own prejudice will knock at the door and have this new sort of power to, like you say, criminalise me, and one of them might, really want to use that to their advantage and just like throw the book at you or whatever and someone else might not someone else might be like that's fine you go back to, you know stay for the night as long as you're gone in the morning but what if you what if you're not gone in the morning because you're working locally or you're on your way to the next festivals this festival's ever open again <laughs> um and the gates don't open till such and such a day and you just need to park there for two days or whatever then what you do just drive around Keep driving around on the roads and swap drivers while one of them sleeps. I dunno, what do you do if you can't if you can't park up anywhere? Yeah. I think it's massively. I think I'm always gonna wanna be somewhere on
0: site or something like that where what I are just feel it was I choose the road podcast. Hello. Welcome to the second episode of I Choose the Road podcast. So, in this episode, we're continuing our look at the criminalisation of trespass, and I will be talking today with Matty Mitchell, who works for an organisation called Friends, Families, and Travellers. FFT are a national charity, they support all Gypsy, Roma, and Traveller communities. Um, They work particularly to support communities experiencing disadvantage and inequality. Their main aims are to end racism and discrimination against travellers, and to protect the right to pursue a nomadic way of life. Hi Matty, welcome to I Choose the Road podcast.
3: Hi Amy, thank you very much for having me, I'm pleased to be here.
0: It's really nice to meet you. So, First of all, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about what your background is and how you ended up working for friends, families and travellers and advocating for travellers'
3: rights. Sure. So um, I'm Romani. Uh, I was born into a very big Romani community here in Sussex. Um, I spent my life, uh, early life, on the road um, and on a site. Uh, When I was was kind of a teenager, we moved into um, social housing. Um, and I had the opportunity to um, go to school and then go on to university. And when I finished university, I figured that um, it, you kind of had a, a duty, I guess, to look back and try and uh, advocate for everybody else, because there are a lot of educational inequalities. Um, and when you when you gain sort of a degree, I feel like it's nice to, to try and help other people um, combat the same kind of inequality. So that's how I ended up at FFT. So
0: did you move into social housing partly? because of education needs and needing to be
3: in one place? No, no. We moved into social housing, to be honest, because uh, my grandfather fell ill with emphysema. Um, and just it just the life, he couldn't live the life anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so he made the decision to stop travelling and move into a house. And um, being tightly knit family units, we we went along with him. By some stroke of luck, uh, ended up with a house opposite this.
0: <laughs> oh, alas, alas. So how was it for you making that transition from being on the road into housing?
3: It was very, very difficult. It was very hard for us, I think. Um, a big culture shock because you you spend a lot of your life, I think, in insularity. You don't really interact a lot with what we would call the gorgeous world. And we didn't. Um, to be honest with you, this is probably more of a joke than in real reality. But I think we thought Patsy Cline was still in the charts in you know when we were 11 so um it was just that kind of level of insularity. even we listened to the music that my parents listened to and their parents listened to and watched the films that they did so it's a whole other world and it was a big shock moving into houses but um i hope that we adapted well but i guess other people have to be the judge <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one has to judge anyone
3: that's true yeah that's true too
0: so um we're talking about obviously the criminalization of trespass and the Traveller element of the Police, Crime, Courts and Sentencing Bill. Uh, So, Matty, why? First thing I'd like to ask is, why is the bill concerning for Romani and Traveller peoples?
3: I think overall, whether you travel or not, it's concerning because it does seem like a direct attack on specific people. And in this case, we are talking about um, that includes ethnic groups. And I think that everybody should be concerned about that. When that sort of, kind of thing happens and when the government makes that kind of um, approach to a problem, it should only ever set off alarm bells. So I think that that's something that everybody should be concerned about. But um, from a more cultural perspective, um, obviously it's just concerning because if the bill does pass, it's going to make it very difficult to continue cultures that have been in, in, in some form existing for now a thousand years. That is also true for mm-hmm. Irish travellers because they're they're not as new as people think they are. They've been around for a long time on these islands, mm-hmm. um, and also now you have to take into consideration new travellers who are sometimes three or fourth generation in. So, um, what is that if not a culture? Yeah, and
0: I mean, what you write, what you say about it being concerning for everyone because if there's a government that's starting to want to pin down on minorities, whether they be ethnic or other kinds of minorities, that is something we all want to worry about so what does the bill look like currently in terms of you know real life for people who are going to be experiencing if it it comes in in its current form
3: um without any amendments if the bill goes in as proposed um it's going to i think either spell an end to um nomadism, nomadism as we know it for all of the communities involved or for perhaps a minority, I would predict, in my personal opinion, maybe a small minority of people um, continuing to live in a culturally appropriate way and maybe just causing even more alienation, miscommunication and um, bad feelings on either side with themselves and the settled communities. Um, So I think that, one, it's going to introduce that kind of element, but more broadly, I think that um, if it goes in without amendment now, we really are seeing um, the end of, of... the freedom to travel and to be a nomad that um, we've always had
0: in what way do you mean people just be driven off the road and into social housing into the system in that way
3: well this is the problem yes um sure we'll be um driven into some alternative means of living certainly mm-hmm. i don't know about where where they would find it um but this is also the problem with um for a lot of people we released a uh, recent report a couple of months ago that uh, showed there were 59 plots available in England for people that were living a nomadic wildlife. 59 in the entire area. 59. 59. And there are about 1,700 households waiting for a plot. Um, so wow. it's interesting that you... Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting that you bring up the... Uh, alternative living arrangements if people Uh can't travel around because a lot of people are just traveling around now because they literally have nowhere else to go. Um, It's not as easy to say, well, why don't you just put your name uh, on the list for a council house or alternative accommodation because it doesn't happen that quickly, does it? It takes a long time and you have have to have a high need, especially if you're not legally considered homeless. Uh
0: Um,
3: So, you know, it's it's a really tough question, but absolutely, yes, I do think that the bill if it goes through without amendments, will lead to some alternative type of living arrangement for for many people. And I think for a lot of people, that's going to be really difficult to source.
0: So do you think one of the results is it could drive some people to just be en- end up being street homeless? Because if they don't have that high need to get on that ladder into social housing and they don't have the funds to be able to you know, buy land or anything, which is in itself has its own
3: problems and difficulties, doesn't it? Absolutely, I think that is exactly what it will do. Um, especially with the em- the element of the bill that um, allows the police to confiscate property. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, by by property, we might mean a, a van or a caravan or a camp or whatever your pro- whatever property means to you. And the, the method that you use to travel around, mm-hmm. if that's confiscated and you have you haven't a home, a bricks and mortar home to go to, or you haven't land to go to, or, or any other place to go that you can live, of course that is directly and um, I, w- I would say, in my personal opinion, I would say deliberately making you um, street homeless, not functionally homeless, but street homeless with literally no home.
0: I can't see the logic of a policy that's going to force thousands of people to be without any home.
3: Absolutely. it's It sounds nuts. It really does. Uh, especially when you consider that there are already police powers that enable them to... Um, to, to combat any kind of any of the elements that they say they're bringing in the bill to combat. Um, the vast majority of policemen didn't think that this was the appropriate solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they, they said that uh, negotiated stopping, and um, a greater emphasis on negotiated stopping was a much better solution. So it's not even like the police are asking for these powers or saying that, you know, we really need them to combat this specific problem. Uh, it just seems to have come right out of left wing and, um, I mean, we can only hope now that it will be amended before the before the bill actually becomes an act.
0: All right, out of right wing, maybe.
3: Yeah, exactly. Left wing, right wing, uh, left field. I should have said absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be laughing. It's it's shocking and quite scary. And when I've I've spe- been speaking to a lot of people about it, and the repeated thing that I hear over and over again is, "Where will we go? Where will we go?" That's what everybody keeps saying to me when I'm asking them how they feel about it. They're just like, well, where will we go?
3: Absolutely. Um, I'm not at liberty to to give any specific um, instances from the casework that we've heard of, obviously, for people's privacy, but we've heard more or less the same thing, people in such awful positions and just um, knowing what the bill will represent for them, um, having uh, previous experiences. Mm-hmm.
0: I was going to say, could you explain the term negotiated stopping
3: yeah absolutely it's basically um what it says on the tin amy um people would be able to go to a particular local authority and say i would like to stop in this area for x amount of time and the local authority would be in a position to say uh yes or no and if yes um you can stay here but uh, we will for example provide water for you or we will Mm. provide um a place that you can stay on the provision, maybe that it's, it's an ongoing negotiation. So then they might say, On the provision that you um, keep the noise down after 9 pm, uh-huh. or on the provision that you don't overuse your local um, petrol garage for, to source water from the tap um, just anything really you can think of. It's kind of it would be a kind of give and take uh-huh. where uh, uh, people's needs and everybody's needs are met. So the local authority has some uh, platform to um negotiate things that they really don't want to see in their community yeah but also nomadic people can just negotiate a time that they want to go somewhere and that's a really fantastic method because it also means that um, people can build up relationships with their local authorities and councils that they move around to and that can only uh, you and I both know Amy that not everybody on the road is a thug is antisocial. <laughs> is doing any of those kinds of awful things that people hear about all the time, apparently, you know, in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would, I think, give local authorities the chance to start to see patterns and think, well, hold on, these people are just ordinary human beings just trying to live.
0: Yeah. And I guess if there are some provisions for um, waste disposal and, you know, toilets and things like that, then the, again, the perceived problems with travellers being in your area, would that would be that would be a solution to that wouldn't it because if people are getting their rubbish picked up there they're not going to be dumping it and all those you know i mean I, I think that happens a lot less than like you say the newspapers would like to claim but nonetheless help with that would also help to ease that relationship
3: absolutely i think you're right there um and it would be very difficult to uh keep laying blame at people's feet uh, for these kinds of problems uh when people can say well hold on i've already negotiated my terms on being mm-hmm. here that was one of them so it certainly wasn't me um yeah. so it can it can only lead to a strong place but unfortunately even with the uh, negotiated stopping making strong headway uh, it was determined that it was necessary to introduce a bill
0: so why is it important to protect people's rights to live nomadically
3: i think that it's important in my personal opinion, I think that it's important because, one, nomadism is actually a very, very common way of life in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not something that just gypsies, it's not something that just Romanies, and not something that just travellers do. Many people do it, many different cultures do it all around Europe. Um, so, one, it's a way of protecting cultural diversity um, because people assume that because you're moving around from place to place, it must be through some fault of your character, and it's not. It's because, for many people, this is a culture that's been passed down to them for centuries, if not, for, in the case of Romany people now, a, a literal millennia. Uh-huh. Um, so um, I think it's important just for that regard, but also I think it's I think it's important, secondly, um, that people's basic human rights to make their own decisions are respected when people aren't going around leaving rubbish or being antisocial or doing any of these things that people typically say that gypsy mm-hmm. and traveller people do when you're not doing that and you're just living life I don't I think that it's a slippery slope to allow uh your establishment to tell you what you can and cannot do on um on the commons basically
0: I wholeheartedly agree with you um so is this an ethnic attack or a cultural attack and is there a difference
3: I think it's both um I think that it is specifically targeted at, speci- at, spe- at a specific community. And I think that the two specific communities, and I think one is Romani people. And I think that the other is Irish travelers. In my mm-hmm. personal opinion, I think that those are the communities that the government wants to control in some way um, for a perceived idea that we are it's somehow lacking in, in some either pedigree or, or way of behaving which absolutely isn't true. Um, On the other hand, I do think it's a cultural attack. um, And that is on all the other travellers who are kind of dragged into this for no real reason except for being with us by association. Um, uh, And what did anybody else do to deserve that? Um, when, When people, for example, show people go from place to place, providing a service, providing the fare, this impacts them. Because obviously they have to stop somewhere to sleep if they're going on a long journey. Um, what did they do to uh, to ask for this, or to say, or to be implemented under this? What did new travellers do? Um, you know, to to invite this kind of attention. It's really it's both an ethnic attack and a cultural attack, and I think it's really very misguided.
0: I mean, I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and we were saying that one of the things is that it's, I mean, with new travellers is that we so sort of living outside that way that makes the establishment their money you know we're not sort of paying into the system in that way and earning money for the richer people because we're slightly outside it and they potentially feel threatened by that and that's another reason why it's a it's an attack and then a cultural attack
3: I think that's a really good point point. and you know um, as I said earlier that was just my personal opinion mm-hmm. I think that that's an interesting point that I hadn't considered before and do you know that probably does play a part in it. um I think there is there does seem to be some element of wanting to um put a stamp down and say we are in control um really unnecessarily. um so I think that's an excellent point. I hadn't considered it, but I will definitely bear bear that perspective in mind so the last
0: question and the question I'm asking everybody is you know, can we stop it? What can we do to stop it? Can we win? <laughs>
3: Yes, there is still a possibility that the bill uh, can be amended. There's still the possibility that Section 4 of the bill, which includes um, so-called trim- criminalization of trespass, there's a possibility that that can be removed. Um, I can't tell you how likely or um, uh, give you any predictions on whether that will happen. Mm-hmm. I'd like it to. I'd like it to be gone entirely, but unfortunately I'm, I'm not in a position to say. Um, so it's not in law yet. It can be changed. And the uh, to get to get if you want to get involved, you can get in touch with your local MP. You can register your, dis, uh, your dissatisfaction with the bill. You can say that oh, I don't support this. Um, uh, yeah, so we've also developed an online tool that people can use, uh, and they you, it just takes you putting in your postcode or the nearest postcode that you you, you have in your area. Um, it will give you take you directly to your local MP's email address and then send an automated message. You can edit the message as much as you want to. You can just leave it as it's pre-written, which is basically just a, a formal complaint um, and then put your name to it and then hit send. Um, obviously, if you choose to, you can also change it around and put your own spin on it, put your own words into it. Um, but it's just a way, it's just an easy and simple way to um, find out who your local MP is and then just send that letter straight away. And I think the more people that, more MPs that hear this message that we really are dissatisfied with this bill, that we would mm-hmm. really like somebody to take it up and say, this is not right. Obviously, the better. But um, for that, we need people to to mobilise and to say enough's enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I certainly will be doing that. I mean, I haven't so far because I kind of feel a bit c- disconnected from the sort of MP electoral system, although I, I do vote. I don't necessarily always vote in the area that I live in because you've got to be registered to vote and all those things, but that actually sounds like something that is quite accessible for everybody to be able to do without it being a big
3: head fuck. Absolutely, yeah. And to be honest with you, I think that 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 sentiment, I think, is so symptomatic of all um, gypsy and traveller people, that idea that the government isn't representing your interests as well as they could. Um, I certainly feel that a lot of the time um, you know, what is the point? What is the point in going forward and saying or doing this when nothing ever changes? It doesn't seem like anything ever makes a difference. Um, but I feel like, especially with the internet now, uh, we have such an opportunity to be united in a way that isn't to say that we're going to unite in some way as one giant community, but unite in some way that says solidarity has power. Uh, and if this affects me or it affects my neighbor, then I'm going to say it. And then hopefully, if we all do that, Um, there'll be enough people for it to make a difference and then finally they just won't be able to ignore us anymore.
0: I really hope you're right. (laughs) Okay thanks so much for talking to me today Matty it's been really a pleasure and really informative and interesting and thanks so much for your time.
3: Thank you so much for having me it's been fantastic.
0: Okay take care bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to episode two of I Choose the Road podcast. You can find the online tool which Matty mentioned for Contacted New MP on the FFT website. The address is www.gypsy-traveller.org and I will post the link to it on our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. While you're there, you could always give us a little like or a follow as well. This episode's opening music came from the Creative Commons and is a track called Snowfall by an artist called Lobo Loco. In the next episode, we'll be talking with Rhiannon from Bristol Vehicles for Change.
3: Life in your pocket is a life behind bars. But out here by my fire I can see all the stars So I choose the road Not for me a life of being born to be sold The green hills in the distance are calling me on Not for me a life of being born to be sold Under the open sky <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes yeah, you have to put that in now. No I do not have to put that in. <laughs> yes you do. Shush. For one of my upcoming episodes I'm going to be talking to the kids about their experiences of growing up on the road, growing up on site and how they feel about their traveller identity. If you are a kid and you've got something to say or if you know some kids or if you've got some kids and you think they might want to talk to me please do get in touch via the Facebook page, via Instagram. Or you can contact us by email on iChooseTheRoad at yahoo.co.uk. I Choose the Road podcast where we talk to kids.